This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, and we're starting a, uh, another series of Shiurim on Pirkei Avot, a new series on Pirkei Avot from Harav Moshe Taradin. So the second Mishnah, the fourth parak, is a citation of Benazai. Benazai was one of the four who entered the Pardes, who entered a, a realm of, not literally an orchard, but they entered a realm of trying to study parts of Torah that we refer to as Nistar, or Kabbalah, Maisa Rakava, and four people entered the Pardes, the Gemara says, to various degrees of success. Um, Benazai wasn't as successful as Rabbi Akiva. And Benazai is a very interesting discussion. He talks about the importance of running towards all forms of mitzvahs, mitzvah kala kibachamura, and distancing or protecting, guarding yourself against all forms of averos, whether they be significant, severe averos, or presumably less severe averos. Now, First of all, what's interesting about his Lashon, I'll just read the Lashon, Ben Azai Omer, have a ratz mitzvah kala kibachamura. You should run, you should seize. Kala means easy mitzvahs, seemingly secondary, less important mitzvahs, as well as important mitzvahs. Ubareach min ha'avera. And you should distance yourself from an avera. She mitzvah goreres mitzvah, because one mitzvah yields another mitzvah, the avera goreres avera, an avera yields an avera, shishar mitzvah mitzvah, vishar avera avera. So there are specific aspects of this Mishnah, which I will discuss in Mitzvah Shem in the end of this year. But one thing is interesting. The contrast between Ben Azai's statement in the, the beginning of Perak Dalid and a statement of Rebbe in the beginning of Perak Beis. Ben Azai seems to have been a contemporary of Rebbe Akiva, which would place him presumably before Rebbe lived, or a little bit older than Rebbe. So I'm not sure if Ben Azai is responding particularly to what Rebbe had said. But if we take the chronological issue out of the equation, these two Mishnayos, Perak Dalet Mishnah Beis, and Perak Beis Mishnah Aleph, Rebbe's Mishnah, form a very interesting contrast and even a, a dialect and a dialogue. What did Rebbe say in the beginning of the second Perak? Very well-known Mishnah, which is quoted by several Gemaras. Have a zahir kala kibachamura. Should be careful about, again, mitzvah kala as well as chamura, light mitzvos as well as severe mitzvos. And listen to why Rebbe encourages us to be comprehensive and non-differentiating in our mitzvah performance. She'ein ata yodea matan scharan shal mitzvos. Because you don't know exactly which are the more severe, the more cardinal mitzvahs, which aren't to imply the human intellect to grading or judging mitzvahs is foolish. A mitzvah which to us may seem secondary may in reality be a more significant mitzvah yielding a greater schar. So therefore, it's almost practical or pragmatic advice. Be careful about your mitzvah performance. Extend it in a comprehensive manner. For the moment you begin to grade mitzvahs is the moment you may be grading them inaccurately and ultimately, uh, in a way that would be uh, not self-destructive, but that would be less meaningful. So, essentially, Rebbe is focusing mitzvah performance upon schar, and if we only had the correct table, then we could, in theory, differentiate between our mitzvah performance and focus on 
the important mitzvahs and less energy on the less important mitzvahs. But our barometer may be off. Our ability to grade and to judge the mitzvahs may be inaccurate. So therefore, at a practical level, we have to fulfill all the mitzvahs with equal verve and equal attention. And as if that weren't enough, Rebbe continued, and Rebbe said, not only do you not know the schar, there are different levels of schar. And in theory, if you were aware or accurately informed of those levels, you would be able to, or even encouraged to, uh, to shape or to modulate your mitzvah performance based on the schar. We just don't know which provide most schar. And then he continues, should be aware of the loss that every mitzvah demands. Every mitzvah is a challenge. Every mitzvah is a sacrifice. Every mitzvah is to forfeit something, your time, your pleasure, your relaxation, but there's a great schar, connected schar. And obviously the schar overwhelms and surpasses the hafzeid. And the same thing. Schar avera connected hafzeidah. And then there's, every avera has a schar, a pleasure, a physical pleasure, a psychological need. More often than not a combination of the two, but every avera carries a hafzid as well. You're sacrificing your Haba, you're exchanging uh, eternity for a moment of transient pleasure. But the entire context of Rebbe's statement, and this is Rebbe, this is not some minor Tana, the entire pivot, the, the center point of the entire Mishnah is schar and hafzid. If we only knew which mitzvahs yielded the greatest schar, we could modulate our mitzvah performance appropriately. And be aware that every mitzvah has a downside, so to speak, whatever sacrifice is involved, but don't worry, the schar overwhelms that hafzid. And vice versa, every avera has its reward, but the hafzid is too great, and the hafzid is too too dear to pay for whatever schar. But again, the center point of Rebbe's statement is schar and hafzid. And if you hold up Ben Azai's mission, again, I don't know if Ben Azai is responding directly to Rebbe. Keep in mind that Rebbe was the most popular author, and he quoted himself when he, when he codified the mission, so he quoted his teachings. But presumably these teachings, as long as the tradition was oral, these teachings uh, were part of the discourse, part of the discussion. People, it wasn't just Rebbe who said it. It may have been his Rebbe and people before him. And so this is a very popular phraseology that Rebbe cited in his own language, but presumably this train of thought, this thinking process, this perspective already existed before Rebbe, and Ben-Azai may be responding to that and maybe not rejecting it, but correcting it. And that's why he uses the exact same Lashem. Ben-Azai is essentially shifting the discussion away from Schar and Hepzeit towards a more self-sufficient religious definition. What is the ultimate Schar, he says, of a mitzvah, shishar mitzvah mitzvah. The shar of a mitzvah is that it's easier to perform another mitzvah. Shar avera and the shar of an avera, of course, the negative shar of an avera, is itself another avera. And mitzvah goreris mitzvah. And one mitzvah enables another mitzvah. And we'll talk about the differences between mitzvah goreris mitzvah and shar mitzvah mitzvah. But essentially, whereas Rebbe spoke about the shar, the actual reward, olam haba, olam hazeh, then Azay was shifting away from that paradigm and says, your interest in mitzvah shouldn't be because of whatever schar awaits you and that should overcome or, or neutralize whatever hepzeit you have to absorb and vice versa with averos. And if we only knew which mitzvahs provided the greatest schar, those mitzvahs could be and should be prioritized. Ben is saying you perform mitzvahs because you see 
religious success is the greatest reward, is the greatest point of mitzvah performance of healthy religious behavior, is that religion is self-sufficient and it defines itself. You don't have, to, you don't have need for any external ratification or any external schar to motivate or incentivize mitzvah performance. So I think that I, I sense a bit of a dialect and an, almost like a, a dialogue between the teaching that Rebbe cites and the teaching of Ben Azai. And it's probably indicated by a very interesting phrase in Ben Azai's Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah, Perak Dalad Mishnah Bey, is Ben Azai Omer, have a ratz lemitzvah kala kibichamura uvarech min ha'avera. That phrase, kala kibichamura. Ben Azai should just say, ratz lemitzvah uvarech min ha'avera. She mitzvah goreres mitzvah, ve'avera goreres avera, shishar mitzvah mitzvah, ushar avera avera. Why did Ben Azai include this phraseology, ratz le mitzvah kala kibachamura? He wasn't, as it were, assessing the relative schar and then debunking it as Rebbe did because you may not know the true schar. That was Rebbe's setup. There are mitzvahs which appear to us as chamor, there are mitzvahs which appear to us as kal. Rebbe says, don't employ, don't just simply accept that cataloging because it may be off. And any cataloging may be off, and therefore your mitzvah performance should be comprehensive. Ben Azai wasn't discussing mitzvahs which appear to be severe and mitzvahs which appear to be less severe or less supreme. Ben Azai was just discussing schar mitzvah, 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 goreres mitzvah. Why did he employ this phraseology, kala so in fact, some of the Rishonim feel that this is an incorrect girsa. It was whoever wrote this Mishnah may have lifted that phrase, Kala Kibichamura, from Rebbe's original statement in Perak Beis. And in fact, there is a Mishnah on Avast Rav Nasan, where Ben Azai himself writes, Ben Azai Omer, Kala He uses the phrase Kala, but he doesn't conclude Kala Kibichamura. So I'm not sure whether Ben Azai actually did employ that phrase, but if he did... It may have been in order to evoke Rebbe's statement and counter it. Rebbe was positioning Schar and Hefseid as the driving force behind mitzvah performance and Avera avoidance. And Ben Azai wanted to debunk that, wanted to reject that by writing, you should follow Rebbe's instructions, whoever taught this in Ben Azai's day, you should follow these instructions of Kala Kibachamura, but not because your barometer may be off, and what you assume yields greater schar may yield less schar, and what you assume yields less schar may yield greater schar. No, simply because every mitzvah is a gateway towards more mitzvah performance, and every mitzvah carries with it the, the schar, more mitzvah performance. And it's further proof that this phrase, kala kibachamura, may be lifted from Rebbe, almost as a polemic to counter the, the positioning of Schar and Hefzeit as the center point of Avodot Hashem, further evidence is that grammatically it doesn't make sense in Ben Azai's Mishnah. If Ben Azai were to be precise grammatically, even if he, wanted to, if he wanted to include this phraseology, he should have written, Ben Azai Omer, he should have spoken, have a ratz le mitzvah kala, you should run to a mitzvah kala, le mitzvah kala, ke lechamura. You should run to a mitzvah kala, le mitzvah kala, ke, as if you were running, ke lechamura, to a presumably severe mitzvah. 
the grammar is off. The grammar of Ratz Lemitzvakala Kibichamura is not just awkward grammar, it's actually incorrect grammar. And some of the Rishonim already note this. So it may have just been that Ben Azai wanted to counter this other teaching, and as a method of countering it, he lifted phraseology that was very familiar, Kala Kibichamura, and he maintained parity between his Mishnah and the other Mishnah precisely. To reject, to reject the terms of the other Mishnah. Again, not to reject, because I want rejecting each other. They're balancing each other out. They're providing different different perspectives. Obviously, we're, we're aware of Schar, and we're aware of Hafsid, and that's something which informs our Vodas Hashem and Olam Haba. But as I mentioned in a previous discussion about Antignus Ish Soho's statement in the first parak, Shalom Omenas Lekabo Pras, that can't be the epicenter of our religious consciousness. So, probably at a global level, the most important part of this Mishnah, Perak Dalad Mishnah Beis, is not just what the Mishnah says, but what it doesn't say. Namely, that your, your pursuit of mitzvos and avoidance of averos isn't driven by concerns of schar, by fear of hepsed, but because a mitzvah will merely condition you to greater avodas Hashem, and averos as well will condition you to less successful avodas Hashem. Um, in terms of the Mishnah itself, Ben Azai's uh, description of the Mishnah itself, first of all, the obvious distinction between Rutz, Lemitzvakala, and Boreach, Minhavera. Um, he didn't just say that you should perform mitzvot, but there should be a Zrizos in mitzvot, and this is the well known uh, trait of Zrizos. And by and large, the trait of Zrizos is derived from Avraham, either getting up early, Vayashkem Avraham Baboke, which he performs three times in Parshas Vayera. Once for the Akedah, once to send off Yishmael, once to daven Tashem after a stone is destroyed. Or it could just be not just how early you start a mitzvah, but how rapid you execute the performance of a mitzvah once begun. Um, and Mahari uh, tells Sarah to quickly go and, and bake Shloshim, Kemach, Solas, Vasiugo, Svel Habakar, Ratz Avraham, Vayisena, Vayar, Vayaritzakrosam. The first section in Vayera is is stunning in that you have this old man who has just undergone surgery without anesthetics, without any medicinal uh, mitigation to his pain, and he isn't just able to host these three foreigners that he has no clue uh, and have absolutely nothing in common, but he hosts them with such energy and such rapidity and such force that he becomes the signal in Parshas Vayera of Zerizos. But interestingly enough, when the Mishnah, when Ben Azai spoke about Ratzla Mitzvah Kala, Kibachamura, or Ratzla Mitzvos, the Rambam actually cites Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was faced with the prospect of not entering Eretz Yisrael, and yet, Az Hivdil Moshe Shalosh Arim Be'ever Hanar, Be'ever Moshe Rabbeinu designates three cities in the east bank of the Jordan, or on the east bank of the Jordan River, to be cities of refuge. He wants to participate in this mitzvah of Ari Meklat, or at least in designating Ari Meklat, even though these cities only began to serve as Ari Meklat when their sister cities, their parallel cities, were designated in Eretz Yisrael proper on the West Bank. And Moshe knew that his mitzvah would be incomplete, and yet he wanted to be part of it. He wanted to, and that's not really a physical zrizos. That's probably more of a mental, emotional zrizos that, uh, first of all, there's a selflessness involved. It's not just the resource, but are you able to participate in events that you won't 
reap the rewards or able to contribute to a future which you won't share or live through. That's not just within the realm of mitzvahs or zrizos. That just uh, speaks to ego and selflessness. And this is another symbol of Moshe's humility, that he's willing to participate in a cause whose benefits he won't uh, enjoy or reap. But it's also zrizos. It's also uh, appreciating mentally and emotionally mitzvahs, not as burdens that have to be dispatched or tasks that have to be performed or dispensed, but rather opportunities, and every opportunity, even if it's officially, formally, not an opportunity that will have halachic validity or halachic viability to a later stage, it's still a participation in the will of Hashem. And if Hashem desires, Hashem designates Ari Miklat, then it must be something which is morally sound and personally ennobling, and even if the schar is eliminated, and even if the mitzvah itself and the halachic system will not yet operate because that system is still incomplete, Moshe Rabbeinu wants a personal share. So the Ramam actually cites Moshe Rabbeinu, but the word that Ben Azai employed have a rutz. So in truth, this is really um, Rebbe's word before Rebbe used a similar word. Um, have a rutz, the mitzvah. Actually, Rebbe used have a zahir. Rebbe didn't use the word rutz. Rebbe used the word zahir to refer both to Mrs. Essay and Mrs. Lotase, but typically, Typically, the word Zahirus, as Reb Moshe Chaim Litzato describes in his Mesil Sisharim, typically the word Zahirus, or the trait of Zahirus, is associated with avoiding and distancing from Mrs. Lotase. Whereas the concept of Ratz, of running, of Zerizus, that's typically associated with Mrs. Essay. So Rebbe, again in that Mishnah in Perak Beis, employed a common word of Zahir to describe both Mrs. Essay and Mrs. Lotase, because again, he was trying to protect against inaccurate grading of mitzvahs, so we just use a gen- generic term, Zahir. Be careful about all mitzvahs. Don't begin to grade, because your grading will be off, and your mitzvah performance will be uh, will be imbalanced. Whereas Ben Azai, in addition to perhaps correcting this schar-centric system, Ben Azai is also differentiating between mitzvahs essay, which you should run towards, and mitzvahs lotas essay, which, as he says, you should be Zahir about, you should be careful and the trade of Zahiras, by and large, reflects the world of Chumrah, the world of uh, trying to not just avoid Isser per se, but erect boundaries, so that even if those boundaries are encroached or violated, the world of Isser will still remain distant and, and protected against. So, there, there's that difference between Mitzvah's essay and Mitzvah's essay, which Ben Azai stresses, which doesn't really come to the fore, in Rebbe's parallel statement. So that's probably the second difference between Ben Azai and Rebbe. Um, one of the interesting facets of this mission of Ben Azai is the difference between mitzvah goreres mitzvah and schar mitzvah mitzvah. Or, alternatively, avera goreres avera and schar avera avera. Again, the word schar, not in the positive sense, but the 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 uh, the, the um, aftermath, the after effect, the result of an avera is another avera. Why did Ben Azai repeat it? Well, part of the reason he may have repeated it is again because he was trying to walk away from that schar hefseid um, uh, perspective or the schar hefseid system of Rebbe. So he really stated it twice in similar language for poetic effect, to say, you know what the real schar of a mitzvah is? Not the schar in Shemayim, but be careful, keep all the mitzvahs because you may be off in your assessment. 
and vice versa with Avera, the real schar of a mitzvah is a mitzvah itself, and one mitzvah will yield to another mitzvah, and there may not be a real difference between those two phrases. Many of the Rishonim, though, did sense a difference, and by and large, the primary tendency in the Rishonim is to view the phrase mitzvah goreres mitzvah, or the counterphrase avera goreres avera, is to view that as something more natural and behavioral. Namely, the person performs one mitzvah, there's greater conditioning towards Avodah Hashem, and that conditioning will facilitate future Avodah Hashem. It's the nature of any conditioning a person wants to exercise. The hardest exercise session is the first exercise session, or the first week of exercise. Once the muscles have been conditioned, once the stamina has been built, it becomes natural, it becomes part of your routine, it becomes part of your, uh, your, your, your experiences. So the same thing with mitzvahs. You can place yourself into a mitzvah-centric world, either personally by performing mitzvahs or collectively by associating with people who perform mitzvahs, and then it just becomes natural. And, and part of education isn't just a, an open and honest exposure to all options and hoping that people will choose the right option, but part of education is conditioning and to a degree indoctrination, not heavy indoctrination, although in some communities and some facets of Judaism, I think that indoctrination would be seen as, as I remember uh, in, in our yeshiva a few years ago in Haratzion, we hosted a uh, symposium on Hanukkah, which discussed the difference between the Haredi society in Israel and the Dati Lumi society in Israel. We invited different people to come speak. So one of the people who came to speak, I think his name was Erblach, supposedly, I, I hadn't known him before, He's a very well-known spokesman or educator in the Haredi community, and he spoke, he gave his position. And one of the young men in the yeshiva, one of the Hezder boys in the yeshiva, asked a very interesting question. He told this Rav Bluch, he said, well, why don't you bring your Talmidim, whoever your Talmidim are, let's assume they're equivalent to the Hezder, but they're in a Haredi framework, why don't you bring them to our yeshiva, to the Grish yeshiva, and let them see that there are boys who serve in Sahal, or serve in the army, or Yirei Shamayim, who study Torah, who are very serious about their religion, let them see the alternative. And I was very impressed with Rav Bloch's answer. I was impressed with his honesty. Uh, he wasn't trying to, uh, to, as we would say, backtrack or retreat or offer some um, half-baked answer. He really took the question head-on. Because it is, uh, on the surface, it seemed like a very compelling question. Why not? Why are they so shielded? And whenever you're shielded, ignorance breeds, uh, breeds villainization and radical positions. So Rav Bloch said... And again, I was very impressed with his forthright and candor. Uh, he said, that would be the worst thing for my Talmudim. I can't let them see you, because if they see you, they'll realize that there is an alternative. And, my, and he, I don't remember if he used these words, but his premise was, my basic educational system is I want to indoctrinate them to the Haredi approach. And part of that indoctrinization is to shield them from quote-unquote viable alternatives. Again, in the Haredi world, I don't imagine that our approach is a viable alternative, but it would be seen as a threat because uh, you can't villainize it to the same degree that you can villainize secularism. He was saying that our educational system isn't based on an honest exposure to all options and let the and, and with a soft, gentle nod that this is the direction we, we 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 embrace. But this is the only approach, and we will either demonize all other approaches or not expose you to other approaches. That's not my educational philosophy, it's not my educational outlook, but I was just very impressed with the candor by which he fielded the question. And it's a perfectly legitimate way to educate. I don't know if it's successful, it's, it's a judgmental call or judgment call, but 
He's basically saying that religion or education doesn't have to be premised on complete exposure. And part of that is mitzvah gurus, mitzvah, associating with people for whom mitzvah performance is just natural. Part of religion is not just thinking and then doing the doing and then coming to the thinking subsequently. And in our day, unfortunately, sometimes that sequence isn't properly appreciated. So, the goreris, the word grar, ligror, gorer adam mita safsol vekise, a very famous machlokas between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon, are you allowed to drag a heavy piece of furniture across a field where it's likely that you may make a furrow, which would be a violation of plowing on Shabbos, um, but you don't want to make the furrow, you just want to drag the chair so someone can sit there if it's a heavy chair. Says the Machlokas, if he just says it's Aser, Bishim says it's Murtar, because it's Eidam Miskaven. The word Gorer means to drag. Uh, in modern Hebrew, a Grar is a tow company. You have to order a Grar, you have to order the tow company to come pick you up when your car is stalled, which unfortunately <laughs> happens all too frequently in Eretz Yisrael to the cars on the road. But the word mitzvah goreres mitzvah, or avera goreres avera, suggests natural, behavioral, causative, experiential. People that perform mitzvahs generally become conditioned to do the right thing and to serve a Baruch Hu. People that perform too many averos, well, we know what addiction's like, and sometimes addiction can be in the course and very, very um, graphic and palpable aspects of our life, and sometimes we just get addicted to certain types of behavior, which we know are improper, which we know are, uh, are illegal, halakhically, and yet it's very hard to break ourselves out of those systems. Whereas, the schar mitzvah mitzvah, or schar avera avera, if it is something different, I'm not sure that it has to be, but if it is something different, refers not to the behavioral, natural, or causative aspects, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, metaphysically, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, providentially, person who performs a mitzvah, Kodesh Baruch Hu, will reward him, schar, with an easier access to the next mitzvah. Kodesh Baruch Hu will enable future mitzvah performance, and a Kodesh Baruch Hu will enable future Avera performance. This would be problematic on two fronts. First of all, what does that say about Bechir HaChavshis? If we really believe that man remains, or retains, complete freedom of choice, well, the second you perform a mitzvah, Kodesh Baruch Hu tilts your options in a favorable way, and the second you perform an Avera, Kodesh Baruch Hu tilts your options negatively. That itself isn't problematic, because we can still believe in freedom of choice, but we still believe in freedom of choice, but the freedom is compromised once a person makes decisions either way. And it's not, it's not completely eliminated, it's just more challenged. Namely, if a, person, if a person performs a mitzvah, it's easier to perform the next mitzvah. He still retains freedom of choice. He can still, in theory, disobey and not perform the mitzvah, but he has created, through his freedom of choice, a world which favors mitzvah performance and vice versa. So Paro, let's say, or at least Paro is not a good example, because Paro may have been a atypical situation in which, at least at a certain point, freedom of choice was severely, severely diminished or almost completely eliminated, but certainly in the beginning of his rule, even after he began his, his uh, heinous decrees against the Jewish people, he always had freedom of choice. It was just harder to reverse his course. So we make decisions in life that may render our freedom more difficult to reverse, but we always retain that freedom. So the Mishnah of Schar Mitzvah Mitzvah Schar Avera Avera may very well speak to our Mitzvahs or Averos as 
shifting, shifting the freedom of choice, but not eliminating it. But what's also problematic is the symmetry between schar mitzvah mitzvah and schar avera avera, especially when held up to a gemara which appears once in Yoma daflamet ches and once in Shabbos. And Mishnah says as follows: Ba litame pochs poschim. Actually, I'm quoting from Menachas now, but it's a the same Gemara, just with slight differences in the order in which it's quoted. The person chooses mitzvos, ubacharta bachayim, bacharta batov, akadish barchu assists him, messayin Balitame, if a person chooses averos, so in this case, Hashem doesn't assist, Hashem allows, Hashem opens the door, Hashem doesn't prevent, poschin um, and this is cited by the Rishonim or in our Mishnah. So the difference between Messiah Lo and Poschin Lo suggests that when it comes to mitzvah, Sakharish Baruch Hu takes a more active role in assisting future mitzvah performance after the first installment or after the first mitzvah. Whereas with the world of Avera, Sakharish Baruch Hu doesn't deter but doesn't assist. Our Mishnah suggests symmetry. Schar, mitzvah, mitzvah. Schar, avera, avera. Now, those two gemaras aren't actually irreconcilable. Our Mishnah may be describing the general sense that once a person performs a mitzvah, the next mitzvah becomes easier. Once a person performs an avera, the next avera becomes easier. And in a more specific, detailed sense, why is the next mitzvah easier? Because Hashem actively facilitates. Why is the next avera easier? Because Hashem doesn't stop him. So at the general level, there could be common trends, but at the specific level, we could differentiate between mitzvahs and averos based on the Gemara in Yoma, Lamedches, or in Shabbos, Kuvdalet, or Menachos, Chavtes. But the words seem to be, at least if we take the texts seriously and read them precisely, there would seem to be a discrepancy between Ben Azai's symmetry, between the metaphysical assistance that Kodesh Baruch Hu provides for mitzvahs, and the metaphysical assistance, so to speak, Hashem provides for Averos, but as I saw them as symmetrical, and the Gemara and Yom and Shabbos, which sees them as asymmetrical. I'll just um, cite, to conclude, I'll just cite a parallel Mishnah to Ben Azai, a parallel Mishnah to this statement in Paragdalit, which is cited in Avos Drivnasim, which is a compendium work, because it provides a slightly, slightly different view of Ben Azai's perhaps original intent. Um, the Mishnah reads as follows. It's Perak Chafei. Hu Omer. I don't have the text in front of me, but I believe it's Ben Azai. I believe that the entire Perak Chafei in Avas Nasan is cited by Ben Azai. But I don't know. I, I'm assuming this Mishnah is included in that. Yeah, it's, um, I'm opening up a Sefer now as I'm reading. Hu Omer. So this is Ben Azai, or a variant recording of Ben Azai. Presumably Ben Azai taught this mission in different locations. Rebbe, when he codified Perkeyavos, cited the shorthand version of Ben Azai. Whoever compiled, Abbas Rav Nassan, and it may have been Rav Nassan, it may have been someone else, compiled a longer version. In this case, Ben Azai spoke about mitzvah goreris mitzvah, the behavioral aspect, which I mentioned earlier, again, Mitzvah, goreris mitzvah, is behavioral and conditioning. Schar, mitzvah, mitzvah may be more metaphysical. The Kodesh Baruch Hu provides a schar. But in this Avastriv Nasan version, 
it's not just that one mitzvah enables another mitzvah, it's not just experiential, but it's attitudinal. How do you respond to a mitzvah? A person can perform a mitzvah, but to feel like I wasted my time, it wasn't important, I should have chosen something else, but I, I felt compelled or coerced to the mitzvah. So Ben Azai, uh, it's not a difference, it's, it's, all, it's just he's being more specific, that the way that you can condition yourself and allow one mitzvah to facilitate general religious behavior and the second mitzvah, the next mitzvah, is to be happy and to be, uh, to be exhilarant that you had the mitzvah. And the same thing, and this is even more powerful, And Avera will not necessarily condition the next Avera behaviorally. But if it doesn't register any trauma or sadness or disappointment or anger, if it becomes rote, if it becomes uh, part of your daily schedule, part of your experience, then it will seep into your consciousness and affect your experience. So in this variant version of Ben Azai, it's not just the performance of the mitzvah or the violation of an Avera that can condition the next religious moment, but the attitude. Excitement about a mitzvah will behaviorally incite the next mitzvah. Disappointment about an Avera may deter that conditioning. A person will commit Averos, but how do you respond to an Avera? Is it, is it, does it cause grief and disappointment and, and anger, self-anger in a healthy way, guilt? Well, then the next time you may not fall into that trap. But the second you perform an Avera twice and three times, a very famous Gemara, Nasalo Keheter, and, and you see it as just something which is uh, trivial and acceptable and tolerating and something that is tolerable, then you really find yourself in a world in which Averos are part of the woodwork, part of your framework, and it's harder to climb out. So this is the mission of Ben Azai. I believe in a general sense he was trying to reorient the balance away from Sar. He distinguished between lotases and essays, ruts versus zahir, zrizas versus zahiras. He talked about two aspects which mitzvahs and averos respectively enable. One is the behavioral aspect, goreras. One is the metaphysical aspect, schar, which at least he saw as symmetrical. And at least in the version of Avas Nasan, it wasn't just the mitzvah and the avera, but the attitude to and the response to mitzvahs and averos.